Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. So as we turn to Romans and get to Romans chapter 12, just a quick reminder that this is Paul's letter to the church in Rome and it was a you know, practical and obvious extension of his plan to spread the gospel to the uttermost, uttermost parts of the earth. Started with, in Jerusalem, then to Antioch, then to Rome, and you know, who knows? Maybe the plan was eventually to, to go to Spain, to the ends of the earth as they knew it. You know, as we come to what we talked about earlier, these seemingly unavoidable crossroads in life. We reach a similar point here in the letter to the Romans as we get to chapter 12. So let's read our passage for today, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray. God, this morning, as we look at this passage of Scripture, and God, as we look at at different passages of Scripture, God, that, that will deal with what we're talking about this morning, God, we ask that your spirit would be here. God, that we would be able to grasp and understand what your scripture has for us this morning. That we might be able to take what we've read and apply it to our own lives. In your name I pray. Amen. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture. If you go in my office, you see my nameplate. You'll see right underneath it, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And it's, as I went back through all of my sermon notes, which are becoming more and more I have never preached on Romans 12, 1 and 2. I know that we've done some studies on it with the youth group, and we've, we've talked about it on some Wednesday nights, but I've never preached from the pulpit on this passage. And so I found this to be a great opportunity to be able to do that. So as we dive into this passage this morning, we're going to see three important calls from God uh, that Paul records as he's writing this letter to the Romans. The first thing that I feel like we see is a call to acceptance. As Paul goes into chapter 12, there's a notice shift in his writing. It goes from this thorough explanation of God's plan of salvation and our need for that to in chapters 12 through 15 being really an application of those first 11 chapters. Or what you've just read, what that needs to look like now in your life today. And that is seen here in this phrase, this first phrase there. It says, I appeal to you, therefore. 
the words that we translate appeal, maybe your version of your Bible says beseech or plea. Our English translation come from a Greek word that is uh, parakalo, parakalo, which comes from a root word maybe that we've heard before, paraclete, paraclete. It's the word that Jesus used to reference the Holy Spirit, who he calls the helper, the comforter, or the counselor. And so Paul is playing or appealing to the readers now as a counselor, as a helper to what, what is being said. And so in the midst of doing this, I appeal to you. I'm going to, I, want to, I want to get your attention as a helper and as a counselor. He says, therefore, which takes us back to what he's previously written in those first 11 chapters. You know, but it, it doesn't stop there. As he says, therefore, he says, by the mercies of God. I, I found a couple interesting quotes as, as I was reading on just this particular part of, of this passage. The first one comes from R.C. Sproul, and he says, Paul can summarize the teaching of Romans 3 through 11 in terms of God's undeserved favor to needy sinners by the mercies of God. John MacArthur says, the gracious, extravagant, defined graces Paul expounded on in the first 11 chapters includes God's love, God's grace, his righteousness, and the gift of faith. And so it's in this acknowledgement, this call to acknowledgement, that our attention is drawn to what I feel like are four major themes that come up in chapters 3 through 11. The first is our sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The next thing, the next big theme that we see in those first 11 chapters is the consequence of our sin. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The next major theme we see in Romans 5, chapter 8, it's God's love and Christ's sacrifice for our sins. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The other theme that we see in the first 11 chapters of Romans is faith alone in Christ is our salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10 say, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For as with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Verse 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so these four themes are sin, the consequence of our sin, God's love and Christ's sacrifice for those sins, and faith alone in Christ is our salvation. Those four themes we see in the, in the first 11 chapters of Romans, and Paul's what Paul is doing as we get to chapter 12 is he is, he is telling the reader, 
Go back and acknowledge what I've just, what I've just written to you. Look at these things and, and understand them by the mercy of God. To rephrase it, uh, Paul could be saying, pay attention. Let it burn deep down in your hearts. In light of all that God has done for you, let's look at these things in view of his mercy that he has had on you. Now it's time to take all of these things and not put it aside and not bury them in a safe place to come back to at a later time, but let's use it right now. And so that brings us to the second point that we see here in this passage, and it's a call to sacrifice. Let's reread verse one. It says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So with the call to acknowledge all that God has done by his mercy, Paul gives now the call to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, as we look through the entire Bible, we can understand that worship of God has always involved sacrifice. I know that many of you have participated or gone or listened to the podcast of our Wednesday night Bible study that, that Pastor Matt is doing or has been doing on Leviticus. And it brings us back to this Old Testament. We can look at this Old Testament, Old, the Old Covenant. And in the Old Covenant, the Old Covenant required a dead sacrifice. And in the Old Covenant, you were asked to make a sacrifice. But because of Christ's sacrifice, the old covenant, the way of sacrifice, that way of sacrifice is no longer in effect. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 9. In Hebrews chapter 9, I'm going to read verses 11 through 15. It says, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the pur purification of the flesh. But how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who, who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. If you'll turn the page, over to chapter 10, I want to start reading in verse 8. It says, When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first 
in order to establish the second. And by that, we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for, one, for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from the time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he is perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Mm. Should be something to be excited about as we, as we read that. A new covenant. So instead of a dead sacrifice, we are asked now to be a living sacrifice for him. Instead of being asked to make a sacrifice, we are asked to be the sacrifice. You know, and this is only holy and acceptable because of the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, the one and only substitutionary atoning sacrifice that was acceptable to God. So it's something that we just talked about this past uh, Sunday night with our, with our students as we were going, finishing up the study in John about how the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross, he was the only one that, that could make that sacrifice. He was the only one that could atone for our sins, becoming the substitutionary atoning sacrifice for us. And so by being a living sacrifice, it isn't just merely devoting our time, our money, and our talents, and our gifts, or even ideas, and we could go on and on and on and on and on this morning. It isn't just merely that, but it is a constant, daily giving of our complete selves. All of those things included each one of those areas, allowing our lives to be aligned with what God would have them to be. You know, for as we have been justified through Christ, and in the process of being sanctified, we're reminded of our benediction that we use each week, or a doxology that we close our service with. Um, let's, let's recite that together, Romans eleven thirty six. Do you remember it? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So we see that as, as a calling from God upon our lives. And it's interesting. I mean, that's where, that's where Romans chapter 11 ends and chapter 12 picks up is that the doxology of that and Paul asking us in the next breath to become living sacrifices for God. The next thing that we see in this passage is a call to change. A call to change. Let's read 
Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The first part of this verse can easily be used as a, as a sports analogy. Uh, don't be conformed to this world. It's kind of that old philosophy uh, that, the, that the best offense sometimes is a good defense. Now, I know that Coach Swaddell would probably argue with that. He would say, no, the best offense is scoring 100 touchdowns. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, it's the premise of knowing your opponent and knowing what you're up against. Satan is not your friend. Uh, he is one who is going to trick you. He's going to be one that's going to try to con- get you to conform to the world, to fit to this mold that the world has. That's exactly what Satan would have for you to do. And as we see the word world here, don't be conformed to this world. It's maybe better understood as saying like age, okay? Don't be conformed to this age, which brings, brings on the connotation of philosophies and morals and values and beliefs that we don't have to go into any big discussion this morning to understand that the world's philosophies, morals, and values, and beliefs are nowhere close or should be nowhere close to be lined up to what God has for us. So if we're being asked to live as a living sacrifice, those things are going to be in direct opposition of where we should be headed. Peter says in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 14, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. We should be in this process of growth toward a goal, toward what Christ has set apart us for. And our eyes should be sealed on on, on reaching that prize. So that's what not to do, okay? And it's interesting how if we go through different passages of Scripture, especially Paul, how many times... (laughs) He kind of gives us up front, all right? Here's kind of the plan. Here's where we should head. Now, as you do that, don't do this, okay? So that's, that's that part. Paul also gives us what I feel like is a twofold plan of what we should do. And the first thing that he says is be transformed by the renewal of your mind. From this Greek word that, that we get transformed We also get another English term uh, and a term that maybe we hear in uh, science, metamorphosis, and that's defined by a change in character, condition, or function. It's a complete overhaul for us if we're able, if we go through this, what we might see as a metamorphosis, a transformation from the, happens from the inside out, and it's not It can be something that happens instantly, obviously, but it's a process of something for our lives that that change what's going on in the inside and, and it just cannot help but move to the outside and in our actions. It's a daily thing that we must take up as we live sacrificially. 
You know, being a living sacrifice now means for us also that we allow the Holy Spirit to change and to reshape. And as the same word that we used earlier uh, when Paul was talking about do not conform to the patterns of this world, it's the same thing for us that we should allow the Holy Spirit to do, to take us and to mold us reshape us into, the, into what we need to be. This process of our mind being renewed uh, should, be, should be something for us that is ongoing every single day. So what's the best way, you might ask, to do that? How do we do this most efficiently? Well, I feel like the best thing that we can do daily is to fill ourselves with a hefty diet of God's Word. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And that's, that is, that's what we try to do each, each Sunday morning. That's what we try to do with our students each Wednesday evening is to open up the Word of God, to sing songs and hymns of thankfulness to God in our hearts. So that's the first thing. The second thing that we see that Paul tells us to do in verse 2 is that by testing, discern God's will. So the idea for us here is to seek, to discover to find, but not to stop there, to act, to act on what God's will is. You know, I think sometimes we can get into being able to kind of figure things out and see a direction of things are going, and we might get nervous or scared or anxious and and go, I don't, I know that, I kind of feel like this is what I should be doing, but I don't know, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I don't know if I can do this. Am I, I mean, is this really where I should go? In those times, it's, it's when we can step out of ourselves and we see this, we can see this pattern of being a living sacrifice for God. It takes, it takes so much of us out of it and allows God to do his work in us. You know, it isn't something that we can push aside until we are comfortable. It's something daily that we must act on and it's it can be get into this pattern of almost being like a daily mountain climb up the face of a cliff, which I have no idea what that would be like, but I have a feeling it's not easy, okay? It's difficult. It's something that's hard, and it should be something that's not easy. It should be something that's difficult and something that's hard. In Ephesians chapter 5, the second half of verse 8, says, walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. By doing this, Paul said that we should understand what God's will is for our lives. He describes this as good, acceptable, and perfect. (laughs) You know, who would figure that uh, we could end back up here, but, you know, as we talked about the old covenant 
and the old covenant being gone and going into the new covenant, the old covenant sacrifice, this language of good and acceptable and perfect is used in Leviticus chapter 22, and I can promise you this morning, we're not going to read Leviticus chapter 22. You can go and do that on your own. I think Jared actually did that on a, on a Wednesday night. And so um, you can do that. It'll be a fun little thing on your own. But, but the interesting thing about that chapter is those sacrifice, as the sacrifice is talked about, it uses the same exact language, good, acceptable, perfect. You know, it's the language also that God uses in creation, good and acceptable. And also the language, as we understand, perfect, that the Bible uses to describe Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, it says, In being made perfect, he became the source of of eternal salvation to all who obey him. God's path for us is not only good and it's not only acceptable, but it's perfect. It's exactly where we need to be. So what does this mean for us today? There's certainly been plenty as we've gone through that we can apply and use, but it's always the kicker, right? Taking what we've read, you know, even for students today, taking what you go through in class each day and being able to put those things into practice. So as we look at this today, this scripture, we understand, I mean, we've gone through and, and we've looked at it. There's plenty that we can take and apply to our lives today. But believers, I want to talk to you first in light of the mercy that God has had for each of us, we should be compelled each day to live sacrificially as he's called us, daily transforming our minds and ourselves to be more and more like him each day. Sometimes it's baby steps. Sometimes it's giant leaps in that direction toward him. That is what is good and acceptable and perfect to God. There might be some of you here today who might be here and see this call to live this way as foreign or new or just different. And I would say to you, you are exactly right. It is foreign and it is, it might be new to you and it is different. But it is also what gives meaning to where there's no context. It gives purpose where there is no objective. There's love when it's absent and there's hope when all hope is lost. Pastor Matt's gonna be down front if you need to talk about what it means to follow Christ as a living sacrifice. If you're a believer and you're looking for a place to serve and to worship, please come find one of us, uh, either during the invitation or after the service is over, because we'd love to talk to you so that you can find out more 
what that's about. Let's stand as I pray. And we'll continue to worship this morning. God, we are thankful for your scripture. God, we're thankful for the challenge that it has in it for each of us. God, as we're able to celebrate and and look at the look back at the lives of these of these seniors today, uh, we realize that they come to a an important crossroad in their lives. The foundation has been set on many on many things, and now they've got the reins, they've got the keys, and it's their turn. So God, we pray for them as they go off, and they begin to make their own choices and decisions for themselves. God, that, that they would continue to go back to the, to the foundation that was built in each one of their lives. God, we, we look at the passage today and the challenge that's there for us in being a living sacrifice and what that means for us and maybe how it tugs on some of, some of our hearts as well. Maybe this is a new concept that we haven't thought about or seen or heard about before. God, we just ask that your spirit would move this morning. God, we ask that as we, as we lift our voices and worship, God, that you would be glorified through all that is done. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.